Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. If you're on the East Coast, good morning if you're on the uh, West Coast, and good evening if you happen to be in Europe or in Asia. Welcome to our January 2019 Reach Update. Some of you have been on the uh, Tosca 3030 that we just held, which is basically a, not a year in review, but really sort of a look forward. This Reach uh, Update is also a look forward as well. Uh, there are a lot of people on the line, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. Next slide, please. I'm Herbert Stryker. Next slide, please. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the second REACH review, which is also called the REACH refit evaluation that's conducted by the Commission every five years. Um, now, we're also going to talk about uh, the major findings of the second REACH review and actions that the European Chemical Agency and the Commission and member states have already been taken to implement the recommendations in the second REACH review. So this is not really a uh, look forward for 2019. It's really a look forward for the next five years of REACH because the REACH reviews occur every five years. Next slide. As I mentioned, uh, the REACH regulation requires that the Commission uh, conduct a review of REACH every five years on the progress of the legislation in achieving its objectives. Uh, REACH entered into force in 2017. The first, first review was 2012. The second one was supposed to, well, covers up to 2017, and so it issued in March of 2018. I give you a citation to the Commission's report, as well as a citation to the Commission staff working document, which is really the meat of the evaluation. As always, our slides and uh, recording of the uh, webinar is on the website, and if you need to find that, you simply go reach 30 slash 30, and that page will pop up. Next slide. So what, what issues were identified in the second uh, REACH review? And these are identified as, quote, urgent act, requiring urgent action, end quote. Now, a lot of times in this presentation, you'll see that I put things in quotes. That's because... I don't want to be, it seemed to be reported that I said those things. These are actually from the commission report or from the staff working document. These are not my quotes if they're in quote. Okay, so uh, the most urgent action uh, is needed because of noncompliance of registration dossiers. I think I should have put noncompliance in quotes. Uh, simplification of the authorization process. Ensuring a level playing field with non-EU companies through effective restrictions and enforcement, so we'll talk about that. Most of the companies on this line are not from the Euro European Union, uh, and so I think they'd be very keen uh, to get a good understanding as to what the Commission, the European Chemical Agency, the member states have in, have in mind and are planning uh, for non-European companies. And clarify the interface between REACH and other EU legislation, in particular occupational legislation, legislation with respect to waste. Next slide. So, let's talk about what is believed and was identified by the Commission and the other institutions as, quote, noncompliance of registration dossiers. Uh, they believe that there are important data gaps, and they believe that many of the adaptations, such as read across or weight of the evidence or QSAR, are inappropriate adaptations to testing. Now, that's a remarkable statement, quite frankly. You know, if you know something about REACH, you know that there are multi-million dollars worth of data would be required if you actually conducted tests on every particular endpoint that's required on the REACH. Because of that, it was recognized that that would be 
unduly burdensome and unwieldy on industry. And so REACH provides, in Article 1.1, one of the main objectives of REACH is to, is to ensure that alternatives to animal testing are employed where appropriate, as the same case for Section 4 of TSCA. Uh, Article 13.1 is another provision of REACH, uh, which ensures that uh, alternatives to animal testing are used where appropriate. And Article 25.1, which is very, very important, says that, uh, that registrants have an affirmative obligation to avoid unnecessary animal testing. So the notion uh, that there are inappropriate adaptations and important data gaps simply because adaptations have been provided rather than testing is not, not, not a proper uh, conclusion. Uh, but in any event, the report found that only 25% of data owners, of dossier owners, or lead registrants, I suppose, conduct a regular routine review of their reach data. Uh, and the European Chemical Agency concluded that stronger incentives are needed to stimulate updates of the registration dossiers and that the only uh, practical incentives are likely to be enforcement actions. Uh, now, let's just talk a little bit about this. So, many of you are not lead registrants. Many of you, if you uh, engage in the REACH process to, uh, uh, to register substances in 2010 or 2013 or 2018, bought a letter of access from a consortia or from a lead registrant. Uh, with this push to force lead registrants to update their dossiers, and there seems to be a concept that they should be continuously updated, uh, you're, you're going to have to expect to receive requests for additional funds uh, from these lead registrants. If you check your uh, CEF agreements or your data sharing agreements, you'll see that they all have a provision uh, that says that you are on the tab uh, if additional data is being requested or required uh, to comply with the REACH regulation. So you should be mindful of that, uh, even though it is 219 and the, uh, uh, the uh, May 31, 2018 registration, last registration deadline is over, there still may be bills that come due. Next, next slide. So, um, there's already been some action to improve dossier quality. Uh, the German uh, Federal Institute for Risk Assessment, called BFR, held a workshop uh, to report on a project that assessed more than 3,800 registration dossiers, and these were the high tonnage dossiers, uh, at least 100 uh, metric tons per year. Uh, they found that the quote, current average rate of compliance was 31% uh, for the highest tier and 44% for the intermediate tier. Uh, they said that uh, adaptations, which were read across, weight of evidence, QSAR, things of that nature, were commonly used for registrants, uh, for about 70% of the endpoints. Uh, and then they said, remarkably, that alternative data uh, were often not sufficient, end quote. So it's really a remarkable uh, and uh, somewhat damning uh, report by the BFR. Now, what I'd like to see, quite frankly, uh, is industry, someone in industry, uh, actually doing a, their own assessment and analysis of the uh, REACH dossiers and the adaptations that are being submitted to support uh, the scientific uh, credibility of those dossiers. There, you know, animal rights are very, very important. As I mentioned, that's one of the core objectives of REACH. There are three prime objectives, protection of public health and the environment, uh, protection of animal rights, and, um, and uh, uh, ensuring uh, that the European uh, industry remains competitive and innovative. Those are three core objectives of REACH. And it seems to me 
that there needs to be a very, very strong defense, even from the industry or from the animal rights groups, uh, to defend you know, what's been done in all these now tens of thousands of dossiers. Next step. So, uh, moving on from uh, uh, the registration dossier, uh, there are now concerns about the chemical safety reports. You know, as you know, uh, their registration has a data dossier, uh, but it also has, if you're over 10 tons, a chemical safety report. Uh, and that includes a hazard assessment and, uh, and a risk assessment, and an exposure assessment and a risk assessment. And the, uh, the information from the chemical safety report becomes an annex to the safety data sheet. That's called a uh, exposure scenario. And there is now an enforcement initiative to review chemical safety reports of large number of chemicals. So far, um, um, some 1,400 substances of chemical safety reports were reviewed in 2017. The conclusions were that although many companies comply with the regulatory requirements, there was, quote, and again, these are all quotes, poor quality information, quote, missing incomplete exposure scenarios, quote, risk management measures were not clearly specified, exposure models outside their functional domain, and questionable exposure estimates. So, again, this uh, report, this time by uh, the Enforcement Forum, uh, found issues uh, with the chemical safety reports. This is very odd, by the way, because, as you know, most chemical safety reports are actually generated by the European Chemical Agency's own uh, data, uh, data engine called Cheshire. And, and given that, I can, I am, I'm a little puzzled as to why they're taking issue with the quality of the CSRs that are generated from their own uh, model. But in any event, this is the conclusion of the uh, enforcement project. Next slide. Uh, safety data sheets. Uh, some good news, there's been a continued increase in the information passed through the supply chain. However, safety data sheets, and I agree with this, need to be made more efficient, uh, reduce the cost of producing and supplying safety data sheets. Right now, uh, you have to update a safety data sheet, on, at least formally in terms of legislation, without undue delay every time there's a change in anything, uh, although it's not entirely clear what undue delay means. I think most people may feel it means if it's important factor. It has to be done quicker than if it's a small administrative detail that changes. And as you know, these uh, safety data sheets have to be generated in the national language of all the member states. In some cases, member states have multiple languages, uh, such as Belgium and you know, elsewhere. Uh, and so it is a very, very expensive exercise. And I think it's a particularly problematic, not only for small, medium, and micro enterprises, but also large companies as well. But anyway, at least there's a recognition that something has to be done about this. Uh, what will be done about this is unclear to me, but at least there is good news that there was a recognition that something has to be done. Um, there was a finding that uh, there has to be uh, an improvement in the uh, exposure scenarios, and there also seems to be some now interest uh, by the Commission and perhaps the other institutions that exposure scenarios for mixtures need to be developed. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but also there needs to be help in implementing the uh, notification of substances of very high concern in articles. You know, as you know, you frequently as a non-European manufacturer uh, frequently get questionnaires from European customers. They have long lists of chemicals. They say, will you certify uh, that these you don't have any substance very high concern in your articles that you ship to us or your raw materials? And you know the difficulties associated with responding to that request. 
but there's no question that uh, this whole notion of uh, Article 33 communications in of uh, substantive high concern articles of supply chain or Article 7.2 notifications of uh, substantive high concern articles is a very difficult provision um, to uh, comply with. And at least there's recognition of that, but what will be done to remedy the situation remains unclear. Next next slide. Um, there are all kinds of uh, you know little pitfalls in reach, and they're usually at the end, uh, the last few articles, which is also true for Tosca, by the way. There are, there are articles, there are sections in Tosca nobody ever reads, but that's really where the rub is. And the same thing is true for reach. So there are provisions at the end uh, that require the commission to uh, either do certain things by certain deadlines or authorize the commission uh, to do certain things. And one thing that they're authorized to do is consider whether to increase uh, the data requirements for substances in the low tonnage bands and also uh, whether to require chemical safety reports for carcinogens, mutagens, reproductive toxicants, CMRs that are in Category 1A or 1B. So good news is that the Commission concluded, at least in this review, that both need further study to assess the affordability for SMEs. That means we're probably not going to see this in the next five years. Next slide, please. So what has REACH done? You know, it's interesting. You see all kinds of uh, reports coming out of the Commission or other groups that for every dollar spent on REACH, and I think it's in the billions of dollars so far, there's $10 of improvement to health and safety of the European environment and, and people. Um, how that actually is calculated and support is not entirely clear to me, but there is one clear advantage to reach, uh, at least in compared to the uh, prior legislation. It is easier uh, to get new chemicals on the market under reach than it was under the prior legislation. Why is that? Well, it's much easier to get a, a, a process-oriented research and development uh, uh, approval to uh, to manufacture or import more than one metric ton of material for R&D. Uh, it's very difficult to get those under the prior legislation, which was called the Dangerous Substances Directive. Uh, but more importantly, there are a few data requirements at the uh, 1 to 10 ton tier uh, than there were under the prior legislation. The prior legislation required basically data requirements that were required under reach at the 10 to 100 metric ton tier. So it's a lot easier to get you know, new chemicals, which are quite frequently, at least in the beginning of their uh, commercial life, relatively small scale, uh, to get them on the market in Europe uh, than it was um, under prior registration. And uh, this, I'll give you these are some statistics. You can read those, but there's a fairly good number of new chemicals uh, that are introduced in Europe in comparison to the old days, uh, which is probably a good thing because, as you know, REACH is a push to get old chemicals off the market through authorization restrictions. If you have a mechanism where you're forcing older technology off the market, uh, then you have to have a, a procedure to get new technology to replace that. So um, so I think that's why, unlike Tosca, by the way, which seems to have uh, basically put a bottleneck to getting new technology on the market. So I think REACH, in one of the few aspects, I think has done a much better job than Tosca, uh, at least with respect to access to the market for new chemicals. Next slide, please. So... Um, as you know, there's something called authorization. Uh, if something has, a, if you're a substance very high concern and you get listed on Annex 14 to basically place that substance on the market uh, in Europe or use the substance, uh, you need authorization, which is basically a permit, uh, and they're time limited. 
However, uh, authorization does not apply to imported articles that contain these substances of very high concern. That puts European companies at disadvantage because they're not able to make articles that contain these substances unless they have authorization. However, uh, there's nothing to prevent, uh, at least under authorization provision, the same article with the same composition from simply freely going into Europe, uh, from outside Europe. So REACH has a provision that says that the, uh, you know, the Commission should consider a restriction, restrictions are the bans, <coughs> on any, any articles uh, that contain a substance that's subject to authorization. So the idea is you wouldn't be able to import the article that contains those substances. So basically, you're banned. Uh, now, you wouldn't also be able to get authorization uh, because uh, there's no authorization for articles. So, interesting. So, basically, it becomes a uh, European activity until it's phased out. Um, so, so far, the Commission has not systematically be do, been doing that, or the EEC has not systematically been uh, issuing restrictions for substances that are subject to authorization. Strong recommendation to do that. And so, I would have to say that pretty soon the party's over. Next up. Next slide. Uh, enforcement. Yes, more enforcement called for. National enforcement activity should be reinforced, including controls on imported goods. Lots of focus now on imported goods. So, um, lots of focus now on imported goods. Next slide, please. Fees. Well, the interesting thing about fees is that uh, the ECHA has basically supported itself by registration fees since its inception in 2007. That has dried up with the last registration tier in mid-2018. Mid so there's a serious significant discussion, and with no resolution yet, is how ECHA is going to fund itself. I will suggest that how they're going to do that fairly shortly in this presentation. Next slide, please. Uh, before I get to that, um, ECHA is now taking on a long, strong and stronger role on uh, various uh, legislation in Europe. They currently have you know, control over REACH, they administer REACH, they administer the Biosider Park Regulation, they administer the <coughs> prior form consent regulation for the import and export of hazardous goods. Uh, but they now are going to take, uh, there are plans to have them take over the responsibility for setting occupational exposure levels uh, under the occupational exposure and health legislation in Europe. This is formally done by a uh, commission, scientific committee, uh, it, the recommendation is to have European Chemical Agency do it. Why? Uh, well, you know, if you know something about how you set occupational exposure limits in Europe, it's a, basically an OEL, which is not that different to the way these OELs are developed in the U.S. or anywhere in the world. However, REACH has an unusual provision, a new thing called a DDEL, or a derived no effect level, uh, or uh, which are usually lower uh, than the OEL. So, Part of the thinking here is that by having the European Chemical Agency do this, the Risk Assessment Committee, you'll get lower occupational exposure limits in Europe. Next slide, please. What, okay, now this is interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about reach of polymers. I suggest that this is the solution for ECHA's funding problem. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Article 138.2 has a provision. It's a remarkable provision. Just, you know something about REACH? You know that REACH doesn't uh, re require registration of polymers. Instead, the monomers are subject to registration, consistent with the uh, provisions under Article 6.3. Uh, 
Um, however, uh, there's a remarkable provision at the end of REACH, so there's all the good stuff at the end, at 138.2, which says the commission may present, that's important, says may present, uh, uh, proposals as soon as a practicable and cost-efficient way of selecting polymers for registration on the basis of sound, technical, valid scientific criteria can be established. And so, um, again, a couple of important things. Uh, it's a, they, are, they are authorized to do this. They're not mandated. They are authorized. Um, but they can only do it once there's a practicable and cost-effective way of selecting polymers, and that has to be based on the sound, technical, valid scientific criteria. And they have to first publish a report on the risk posed by polymers in comparison with other substances and the need, if any, to register certain types of polymers, taking into account uh, socioeconomic factors, competitiveness, innovation on the one hand, and protection of the human health and the environment on the other. So that's a remarkable provision at the end of REACH, almost at the end of REACH, 138.2, and next slide, please. So what's the Commission been doing about this? Well, in 2015, they commissioned a report uh, by um, uh, Deloitte, and um, I think quite understandably, Deloitte suggested uh, you know, they, they look at the polymer of uh, low concern. They sort of develop a polymer of low concern uh, way of selecting uh, polymers for registration. I mean, it's not very surprising since that's the process that's used everywhere in the world except for Korea and Europe. So that's what they came up with, but they had a very uh, unusual wrinkle about it. They said, well, if the polymer had any of these hazards, and they basically listed all the possible hazards, uh, or the monomers had any of those hazards, uh, then you couldn't be a polymer of low concern. That basically left the polyesters. <laughs> if you know about the Tosca polymer exemption, there's, you know, exemption for polyesters. So not not much they left as polymer low concern mixed up. But they indicated that if you actually found the polymer low concern, uh, there were three possible ways of dealing with those. You could have an exemption from registration with notification. That's similar to what uh, is done in Japan and South Korea. Uh, you can have an exemption without notification, which is what the U.S. does on the polymer exemption. You basically self-certify that you're exempt, or you can require registration with reduced uh, data requirements, which is the approach in Canada, Australia, China, and Taiwan. Now, the important thing is when we talk about Canada, Australia, China, Taiwan, U.S., and Japan about registration of polymers, we're only talking about registration of new polymers. What we're talking about here in REACH is registration of all polymers, both new and existing. So it's a very, very different. Um, we do have a provision late, recently about that in uh, in Korea. So that I think the Koreans actually beat the Europeans, you know, on this concept of requiring registration of all polymers, both new and old. Next up. Uh, you probably can't read this, but the uh, commission presented uh, uh, the uh, Deloitte proposal uh discussions before Caracal, which is the REACH and uh, uh, competent authority meetings, um, and it wasn't well received. Um, so in, uh, Germany, for example, said that uh, it doesn't consider polymers to be a problem. The focus should be on monomers. The UK, and we've got to de desperately miss the UK and their contributions, their sound practical contributions to Caracal and other parts of REACH. Uh, they said they concurred with uh, Germany, and they really got to the heart of the matter. They said that the concern about the report, the Deloitte report, 
is that it first assumes that all polymers should be part of REACH registration and then looks for exemptions. But that's not actually what Article 138 says. What Article 138 says is that they should be looking for uh, justification for the registration of certain types of polymers, which is a completely different mindset. Uh, Sepik uh, said that the report was interesting by the, the comments, and the commission said, well, other countries have these kinds of things, and our legislation uh, requires us to do it. And so it says it had a legal obligation to move forward, which is very odd, because actually, as I indicated, the language of Article 138 says may, um, but that's, so anyway, next slide. So what did the second reach review say about polymers? Well, it said the commission will further investigate information necessary to identify relevant polymers that could be subject to registration. Next slide. Well, actually, they're fairly uh, serious about this. So in 2018, they, they published a tender uh, looking for a contractor to develop scientific criteria to identify polymers with potential hazards uh, and then to suggest uh, uh, grouping different polymers of concern based on shared properties and to identify uh, what uh, characteristics and testing uh, should be required for such polymers. So I would not be surprised, uh, given the uh, shortage of funding, or the question about how EC is going to fund its activities in the future, given the dry up of registration fees, uh, that there will have you know be some interest in a whole universe of new substances for registration. So I would not be surprised to see this. I hope I'm not correct uh, by the next reach review. Next slide. Well, that was our January REACH 3030. Uh, we have uh, OSHA 3030 coming up at the uh, end of, um, well, I guess that's, there was, well, will be one at the end of this January, right? So it'll be one in February as well. But the next um, TOSCA 3030 is February 13th, and I think I'll give that one. And uh, we also have a PIPA 3030 on occasion. Next line. That's me. Our next REACH 3030 is February 13th. Um, and I want to thank you. There's 130 people on this call. How many people are on the Tosca call? 136. 136. Well, I guess six of you had, <laughs> had to go for lunch. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.